Hey, Dinks! Welcome to Dennis in the Know. This is your backstage pass for current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. I'm Dr. Jeff Horowitz. With me is Dr. Jennifer Bell. You know her as JB and Dr. Chad Duplantis. We are all practicing dentists, we are all educators, and we are all business owners. Our job is to bring all of you in the know. Hey gang, it is Wednesday again. That means it's hump day, and that means it's time for Dennis in the Know. Welcome to Dinks, hump day happy hour. This is your backstage pass for current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. It is live, and it is over a cocktail. Why? Because we see patients. That's why. Anyway, you know the routine. I'm here with my besties, Dr. Chad Duplantis and Dr. Jennifer Bell. And as you know, we are all practicing dentists. We are all business owners, and we're all educators. Our job is to bring all of you in the know. So, my friends, how are you doing? It's good. We've got the band back together. Finally. 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 Yeah, two weeks off. Two weeks off. I'm sorry. Yeah. Where you been? I mean, I didn't know we got PTO, but apparently that's part of the contract deal of this free service that we're providing. So I'm going to be cashing that in. Right. The Jew gets Christmas, Easter, all the holidays. I got to work. Chad gets to take off on the Jewish holidays, too. Yeah, right. That's right. That's right. But I'm back for a while. So there you go. I don't think I'll miss until maybe spring break. So you're stuck with me. Apparently, we have the Donk, not Gronk. Sorry, everyone. We don't have Gronkowski on. But we have the Gronkowski of dentistry which is the dunk. Chad, do you want to introduce him? Yeah, yeah. Before I do that, though, I just want to say hi to a a special friend. Uh, Bill Butler is on, and he ran the CE department at San Antonio for a number of years. He did a fantastic job. He's retired. He's greatly missed. He took some students to Japan when I was in dental school a long, long time ago, and he's got a special place in my heart, and he gave us a shout-out tonight, so I just want to say hi to Bill. Um, But moving moving forward, uh, Dr. Ryan Walsh, Um, you know, sometimes you you invite a friend to hang out with other friends and you never really know how it's going to work. You know, well, the first time I brought Ryan out with Jeff and I was in Chicago last year and it was like they kind of hit it off. And then I was, you know, just kind of kicked to the curb, you know, so. uh, (laughs) And then when I brought him around JB, it was kind of the same story. But regardless, it was one of those things that I said, hey, I think Ryan can really benefit our group. And everybody really agreed that that was the case. Um, He's a pretty good endodontist. He's a horrible golfer. Um, He's a good dad. He's a good husband. He's a great friend. All kidding aside, probably one of the best endodontists I know. Here's Dr. Ryan Walsh. Hey, gang. I'll give you the golf class. I appreciate that. Good to see you guys. Thanks thanks for having me back on. Happy Good 2020. You looks so relaxed. I need a bookcase. It's determined. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's you a need Texas a bookcase. Yeah. It is a Texas yeah. thing. Dang it. You, JB, you need anything but a white piece of paper. 
you know, it's like, you know, when, when that's like the drywall that hasn't been literally anything. Yeah. When, 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 when Ryan was down below, his screens kind of fuzzed out until we bring him back up here. And I was looking over his left shoulder and I was like, what is that behind Ryan? And I was like, is that a bong? I was like, damn, man. And then I realized it's a microscope. Um, now, that's one thing that I don't have in my study is a microscope. I don't really see anything very intelligent. On his, though, I see like lots of things that are old yeah. and, you yeah. know, seem somewhat scientific. Meanwhile, let's see. just go pick one random book, Chad. One random book. Go pick it. Close your eyes and do it. Is it like The Very Hungry Caterpillar? Yeah. <laughs> yes, damn. Uh, it was the World Atlas, the Imperial Edition. A Desperate Man's Guide to Gambling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I can honestly say I've never read it, but I did knock over all of the other books on the shelf trying to buy one, <laughs> trying to pick one <laughs> random book. He doesn't even know what's on the shelf. They're for show. No. Different show. Yeah. I, I decide so, mine between the ones I've read and the ones I haven't read, and you can see which stack's substantially bigger than the other. Yes. <laughs> I could pretty much guarantee you I haven't read anything back here except for one. Well, maybe two. Um, my wife decorated that sh- those shelves. So, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He did a They're nice job. They're old books. Yeah. They're old books. Good job, Alan. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, Dinks podcast listeners. You love the sound, but you miss seeing our lovely faces. Be sure and join us on our weekly Facebook Live or on our YouTube channel at Dennis and the Know. We'd love to have you subscribe and be with us at all times, everywhere. So where does Donk, where does Donk come from? Because I, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know this. I've known Ryan for a while now. I've heard you call him that. I've heard him call him that. But I don't know where it came from. Well, I've never called him Donk. You, you guys Unless are I've been singing Donka Shane to him. Oh, he's the Donk oh, of our game. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the dentist out of the know. I, I'm just the dentist in out of the know. I love it. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So By the I end guess. of the show, you become a dink. That's how it works. Maybe someday when I grow you up. You go from I dunk to dink. dink. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So, so Ryan... We we had it's all in capital letters, so it's a big dog. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We had we had a lot of things that we wanted to talk about tonight, (laughs) which we won't get to if we keep this up. Um, But one of the things that I thought you could share, um, we were talking about pitfalls of the general dentist. But why don't you, if you recall them, the three P's? Why don't you mention kind of the three referrals that we talked about? Sure. And and maybe kind of what happens throughout those referrals. Sure. Uh, th- this was this is actually a fun, fun talk. Chad and I were, were asked to give a talk kind of about the endo GP relationship. And uh, and I think uh, Chad broke it down really well. And then so we kind of created these profiles of of general dentists that refer. And, uh, you know, one, as uh, Chad likes to refer to himself as uh, El Presidente, uh, to quote, uh, you know, that's your, as an endodontist, that's your bread and butter. Those are the folks uh, who who refer a lot of cases. Uh, but it's not just referring a lot of cases. It's so much more than that. It's those patients are always educated. They know why they're coming. Um, you know, they understand 
the benefits of sometimes you have to see a specialist. Uh, and so kind of creating and cultivating that relationship from, from my perspective as an endodontist is, is priceless. Uh, it, it just tends over the, the course of a career as well. And see, I've been doing, you know, doing this about 10 years now here in Keller and, uh, like minds follow like minds. And, uh, I'm sure you guys see it both with your colleagues and as you've progressed, but also with your referrals and, um, the El Presidente's, again, they just send, tend to practice very similarly. We have like minds. I think it's, it's about patient care and not putting white lines on on the paper or on the radiograph. And so uh, El Presidente's, from from my perspective, really, really make my practice. But uh, yeah, there's also two other levels. And, you know, one is the, the perpetual. And uh, this, this one's kind of a, a fun person uh, because, you know, it's that person that, you may not really talk to, but twice a year, uh, you probably see about six cases, you know, a year from this person. But each time I like to say they have strings attached, you know, that person usually calls and asks to talk to you at the exact same time they send the referral. So the referral hits my front desk and they're like, Oh, Hey, by the way, Dr. X is calling to talk to you. I'm like, okay, this is going to be an issue because there's always strings attached. Hey, I think I might've broken a file, which is code word for, I crammed something in there and it's going to be impossible to get out or, (laughs) uh, um, what's another, what's another good one. Uh, I, I prepped the tooth and then I told him everything was going to be okay. And then all of a sudden it blew up on him. I was like, I don't have any idea what happened. I'm like, well, okay. But, but as an endodontist, uh, it's one of those things. That's kind of why you're there. So I don't really care if you refer six cases or 600 cases a year. It's, my job to help the patient. And so, uh, yeah, those are always the, the fun and interesting cases. And, uh, I'm sure you guys see patients from Dr. Perpetual, uh, over time, they probably migrate around and, and whatnot, but those are always interesting conversations to have because, you know, you don't want to throw the, the doc under the bus. You don't want to throw the patient under the bus either. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- those end up being, uh, fun and interesting cases. And, um, those are the ones that often get like, you know, Instagram or Facebook posted because they are such a bear. But if you can, if you can get one and make it, make it, uh, make it sing, as they say, those are kind of fun cases to deal with. And, uh, Chad, you're going to help have to help me out with the other one. I got the bookends covered, but I don't remember. The, the third one was the potential, the potential. Yes, that's right. And that is, that is JB. Uh, when we were doing this, when Chad and I were kind of create, creating this, this lecture, JB cold called my office, uh, and, and talk to, talk to my front desk. And I didn't tell them anybody was calling. I didn't tell them anything. And she acted like she was a new dentist in the area, just kind of wanted to touch base and reach out and, um, get to know us and things like that. And so uh, for me as an endodontist, that's a perpetual or excuse me, a potential referral because, Hey, it's a new doc in the area. Uh, I, I do want to be a resource. You know, again, it's, it's so much more than just being the person who does your root canals and sends them back. Uh, it's about crafting relationships and, and building the knowledge base because, um, you know, general dentists do 80% of the country's root canals. I mean, that, that's a cold, hard fact. And so uh, I'm just doing the, the tough 20, you know, so I spend my whole life in the back of the mouth and uh, life is good, but I also want to educate my GPs on uh, how you can efficiently do root canals, how, how to make them a, uh, a moneymaker for your practice because you're doing the patient a service, you're doing yourself a service and you're doing your practice a service. 
And uh, you're really, you're indirectly, you're doing my office a service. And that sounds really silly because you're doing the root canal, but you're, you're getting some of the low hanging fruit out of the way. So that the patients who really need it are the really tough cases or the patient who's just has a screaming toothache that I can get them in that day. You know, if I were bombarded all day with anteriors and premolar teeth, which, which that would be a sweet, sweet life. But uh, uh, the fact of the matter is there's just so much need for it. Don't pretend like you wouldn't like it. He gets anteriors and premolars from me. Yeah. (laughs) But I thought about becoming an anteriodontist many times. Yeah. There you go. I'm an occlusodontist. I'm I'm an I'm an occlusal composodontist. Yeah. 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 So with that being said, I think there's a valuable lesson for all of our listeners and all of our teams is that the potential is is a great way to build your team. And I will say that your team passed the test with flying colors. But what was hilarious is for the next like three months, I would have to say, hey, it's Dr. Duplantis. Uh, I won't tell everybody what I call you when I call over there, but I'm well, like, you, you can. It's all good. Actually, I usually say, hey, it's it's Duplantis. Is dipshit available? And uh, <laughs> you're like, let me go see Dr. Walsh. But no, it, it changed from, hey, it's Duplantis. Um I just want to let you know that this is not on a recorded line. Oh, thank God. Okay. And, and, he, and he does have a great staff, but I think that everybody should have a secret shopper, you know, once every three to six oh, for months sure. and just call in and, and see how your team is handling those calls. Because although we're not an office as GPs, that's, you know, a heavily referral based office, we do have the general public, which is sometimes, you know, a little bit different than a, than another doctor's office calling. Well, you would be amazed how many times I call back to talk to a GP and I get the front office and I just think to myself, like I, I wouldn't schedule if I were a patient, you know, it's like, yeah, I, we say this to our front office all the time. And I think it makes a lot of difference. It's smile through the phone, smile when yeah. you talk, because I can hear you smile 100% of the time. And that just seems so inviting and friendly. I just, yeah, I just want to engage with that person as opposed to the, the person who's just, you know, monotone. They, they're, you know, they're, they're not living their best or they're not uh, living their best, best self right now. So it's, you know what yeah. I mean? Jeff, do you think it's weird that at this point, Chad does not have his cell phone number and he could just like reach out to him directly? Well, there's probably a reason for that, JB. And yeah. and I and it's it's with probably my, with my endodontist and I'm yeah. El Presidente. And with my endodontist, I just I send him a text and, and we you know we converse in very personable kind of ways. Like I don't, you know, have to go through a gatekeeper. Well well he usually texts and calls, and if I don't answer, he feels like um uh like I'm his girlfriend who's avoiding him. And so, uh, yeah, see. he feels. I see. So, so he's El Presidente High Maintenance. He's, yeah. he's a bougie El Presidente. <laughs> a bougie yeah. El Presidente. Understood. So, I, so I love it. He calls the office, and, and now it's to a point where I had to talk to my front office and, and tell her I was disappointed in her because. He asked, hey, where's dipshit? And she's like, let me go see if Walsh is around. I'm like, whoa, there's, there's <laughs> three of us here. There's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all dipshits, frankly. Yeah. So it could yeah. be any of us. Yeah. Oh, but- hey, Ryan, I got a question. Fire away, Jeffro. So Chad mentioned, and, and, and as you talked about, that 
you know, there's there's a lot of GPs that are doing most of the endo. You said 80% of the endo. So this is my curiosity because I, I actually started giving it up a while back. I was doing a ton of it. Um, and, and it just got to the point where, you know, once I start to do a lot of something and don't do as much of something else, the second I stop doing as much of something else, there's someone else that can do it better than me. So I'm going to get it out of the office. But as someone who gets to see all of these different kinds of cases, cases that come from, you know, the GPs that do it a lot, the GPs that don't, what are some of the most common pitfalls that you see or, or some of the most common problems that, that GPs run across with, you know, an endodontic case that they might think is a slam dunk or, you know, what are, what are some of the most common problems that you see or some ways that GPs could possibly improve themselves if they want to do more? Sure. I I was thinking about that. uh, And and I really think it comes down to diagnosis. I think being uh, as an endodontist, uh, one of the things that we do really well is, is we're good diagnosticians. Uh, And I think uh, trying to, if you let the patient go and, and kind of ask them a few questions, they're going to tell you what's wrong. If you just listen many times, not always, you know, but it also helps from your, from my perspective that you guys kind of help narrow it down. I mean, to a quadrant and to a half of a mouth that really helps, but we, we all know referred pain and that can go, you know, opposing teeth that can occasionally go cross arch that can go a bunch of different places. And so being an acute diagnostician, I think is, is really important. So things that I see that I, I don't want to say they're, they're missed. That's not the right way. That's not the right way to put it, but things that GPs are all over, but just don't make that final diagnosis are cracked teeth. Uh, things like the patient comes in and it's like, I, I have this tooth or I have this toothache every once in a while. It doesn't happen all the time, but it, but it, when I get it just right, those seem to be the, the mm-hmm. keywords. When I, when I bite it just right, I get this sensation. And as soon as I hear that or see that on a referral, for me, cracked tooth just went right to the top. You know, not root fracture, but a cracked tooth. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> the reason why I think that, that uh, these are they're challenging cases, they're kind of pitfalls, but they're also, if GPs can uh, hone their skills or, or maybe uh, think the same way I'm, or think the same thought process I'm thinking, well, they can save their patient a, uh, an endo referral because many times, you know, about 80% of the times our studies show that if you could just get a full coverage restoration on that fractured tooth, that is definitive treatment. You know, now if they're starting to have lingering cold sensations or every time they touch the tooth, it hurts. Well, I get that. Well, then yeah, let's, let's consider root canal treatment. But a lot of times GPs can diagnose themselves right into a crown by just uh, getting out your old tooth sleuth and having them bite around on the cusps. I mean, that's what I do. Love the tooth, uh, you know. It, I do too. You gotta hit every cusp because you know if there's an MB cusp fracture, favorite, you won't hit favorite MB cusp. cheap. You're gonna miss it. Yeah, I'm favorite a, favorite cheap instrument in the toolbox. I'm gonna tell you, I a few years ago switched. Um, I only use a cotton tip applicator, and I put it in the patient's hand, and I say, just bite on that side and see if you can find that spot. Because I'll do the tooth sleuth, and I. 
can't replicate any kind of symptom, but a lot of times their cognitive, you know, ability to remember the pain will start to move that cotton tip exactly where that just right spot is. And it can be in a fossa or it can be in some very weird, like sometimes it's not a cracked tooth. Sometimes it's a failing restoration, you know, where we're debonding somewhere and they start moving it around and Anyway, so I've gone even cheaper, Jeff. I've gone to the old cotton <laughs> And I will say it's actually been very Well, helpful. you do have a PPO practice. you know. I am in network, so we basically <laughs> had to eliminate all of our instruments. But I, we, I, exactly what, what I do, do love. I start with the tooth yeah? sleuth, and if, if I can't dial it in, I give them the, I'm like, bite on this delicious tasting wood, but find it because they're going to put it like <laughs> yeah. these weird angles that I would never put. Correct. And and then it's, yeah. sometimes you I know, can't get it. Then I say bite, and I just want you to grind your teeth ever so slightly, like you're going to chew a piece of steak. And most of the time, we can hit it. And I think you guys would be surprised that there's a lot of times I see those cases, and I say, just go back, just go back to your dentist, and, and let's crown it. If it's symptomatic while you're in a temporary, come on back. There's not a fee to reevaluate this tooth. Uh, let's take a look, and um, you know, it's kind of I'm I'm happy to diagnose it for him. I'm again, that, that's why I'm there is, is to help with diagnosis. But some of those don't ever need to leave the office, just full coverage restoration and go from there. Hey, Jeff, apparently it's come to our attention that you and I suck at the news. Yeah, Chad, um, I, I've actually kind of known that for a while. And, and that's why what we've had to do is give people more of what they really deserve, which is more JB. So we actually have a segment now called News on the Go with Dennis in the Know. In fact, I like the idea of JB's News on the Go with Dennis in the Know. So stay tuned for that. It's its own podcast. I'm really excited about it. And guess what? There's no Chad and Jeff. You know, I I love the little tips that we throw out there that make each of us think a little bit. But you say cotton tip applicator. One of the things that I love to use is a low-speed uh, saliva ejector that's that's not been used of course the reason being is because it's closer to the consistency of the tooth sleuth but it just allows a little bit more flexibility when you're walking around with it and i've found yeah. that that's been pretty beneficial in isolating the spot but i don't know about you all i haven't seen a cracked tooth that just requires a crown basically since covid if they crack them they crack Boy. them and i mean i I, I can't tell you, you know, how many have been, I've sent cases to Ryan that of course I can't see without a scope and it doesn't necessarily show yeah. up on the cone beam, but extraction, extraction, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, fortunately in working with, like Ryan said, learning the mindset, the more you work with a specialist, you know, any specialist, you start learning their mindset and it's helped me become a better diagnostician and know when to refer and just, okay, I know what they're going to say. If you want to go, go, you know, if it would make you feel better, but this tooth's going to be extracted. And, you know, now we're kind of, you know, speaking the same language. Yep. Chad, I think that is, you just made a great point that I think when a lot of general dentists, they say, well, I'm going to keep everything to myself. It's a tough economy. I'm going to try and do as much as I can. I think they're missing exactly that opportunity. Because that really good relationship, and and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you develop that kind of a relationship with a referring doctor, there's almost this mentorship thing 
that kind of goes back and forth where, you know, they're sharing some of their knowledge with you and, and you're sharing some of your restorative stuff with them. And it's, it's really like this growing and learning experience. And, and I think that people who don't, you know, utilize referrals and, and find people that are, you know, maybe better than them at, at some of these procedures really miss out on a, on a key opportunity to learn and better themselves as clinicians. I, I, can, I completely agree. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes we get too compartmentalized in, in our own minds or it's easy to fall into the rut of just doing your practice as opposed to you know, we're here to learn from each other at the end of the day. But I mean, there is so there are so many things that I've learned from Chad, uh, restorative occlusion, things like that. And again, just little tips like that. Like he likes to use gambling for desperate people. <laughs> he read that book. Yeah. <laughs> he tells me to, he tells me to double down on uh you know on <laughs> tells me to double down on pocket eight so i'm like uh you know uh, but no i think the, the camaraderie that grows because a long time ago when i was first into practice chad was a potential you know he we didn't work together that much we didn't know each other and so over time we've cultivated this relationship where I, I try to think like him as far as some of the restorative things of, you know, what material is he looking for here? Uh, what about a crown margin? Is he going to try to elevate that crown margin? Where is he going to try to put it for, for cleanliness? Uh, if I'm going to do a buildup, what type of restorative material does he want? Does he want me to uh, place like a, a regen uh, liner so that he can see the bright white area and uh, the bright white composite and know where to stop a crown margin? And uh, I, I think those are things that he's helped me with a ton. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, I've been able to show him how to you know, write uh, the referrals a little bit more effectively to me so they can get over faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's the, like Jeff, Jeff and Ryan both said, I mean, it's a two way street and a lot of times the perpetual, it's a one way street and that's not knocking any of the perpetuals, but hopefully these conversations will help those perpetuals become El Presidente's and whatnot, you know, and, and it, it truly becomes a two-way street. Hey, Dinks. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast today. Remember to rate and review your favorite podcast. Subscribe and enjoy what you like or it goes away. Well, if nothing else, just having that, uh, that type of relationship, you don't have to be the highest referral to just have a good working relationship with your referral base to at least be able to pick up the phone because there are things that walk in like trauma or, you know, an adverse event that occurs and you do need that person who has a, you know, an extra level of expertise in certain areas to say, I have this situation that has shown up in the office. This is what I'm thinking, but I would, I would like to run it off somebody else to make sure because this is the difference between keeping a number eight central for a nine-year-old and not keeping a, a number eight central. So having your like core group of individuals that you can shoot a text to and say, here's the situation, what would you do is so invaluable and your referral sources end up being a big part of, of those conversations. And another thing that I see, I, I don't want to call it a pitfall, uh, but I, I usually the El Presidentes, you don't see this from. Uh, but I'm going to watch this lesion or, you know, this lesion's yeah. had a sh shadow on it for 
five years, six years. It's like, it doesn't go anywhere. It's like, okay, that, that, that's not a scar. You know, that's very unlikely to be an apical scar, you know, and I'm not saying I treat hundred percent of those, but I also think it's worth at least getting over to the endodontist. Let me take a scan. You know, is there just an overtly missed canal that is just needing yeah. something potential or just a time bomb waiting to happen? Um, you know, is there a vertical root fracture in this tooth that's just been slowly brewing, but it's asymptomatic because it's a circular draining sinus tract. Well, things like that, I, I just have a hard time watching those uh, over time, or at least if it's being watched, kick it over to the endodontist, let them watch it. Because if it does go south, they're going there anyway. And now I at least have a data point for time zero saying, okay, Chad said this has been there since they've been a new patient. They've been a new patient or they, they've been a patient for a couple of years. You know, does it need an apico? I, I don't know. Let's, let's watch. Let's kind of see things. But um, some of the time, I don't think we need to watch it like, like an ostrich with our head in the sand, but watch it proactively saying, I don't need to treat yet, but this is something that I, I think would warrant further evaluation. I think that's, that, that's another good point is that I think a lot of times we don't realize how many tools that the specialist may have um, that we don't have. Or even if we have it, say in the case of cone beam, where a lot of general dentists have cone beam now, I talk about it all the time, but you use cone beam technology, but you probably use it very differently than most of us do. And you're really keyed into those high resolution, small field of view scans. And and something that really impressed me about you is because, you know, one of of the times I really got to spend a lot of time with you was when we were out at, at Dental Ray talking about cone beam diagnosis and and um, working with them and how to better that is that how many of your scans that you're looking at with a small field of view, high resolution, that you are still sending for an overread. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I, I just think that that's impressive on a whole different mm-hmm. level. And I think most general dentists don't get that their specialists may be going to that level of care that they just simply can't provide in the GP setting most of the time. Well, and it kind of, again, to the point of collaborative work is, you know, yes, I'm I, the same way, Jeff, you're taking a CT scan and you're looking at airway and TMJ position and, and things like that. That's so far above my area of expertise that I, I wouldn't know what to look at. Um, but I recently, uh, was on a, a little uh, group discussion with, uh, some of the physicians at dental Ray and listening to what they're looking for. And I have to give a shout out to Dr. Matt Alvin. And this guy is just a true stud. Um, he's a, a neuroradiologist, a head and neck neuroradiologist. And he's on, on my high res scans, he's picking up periapical radiolucencies saying, Oh, on the, there's one tracking on the mesial route to the crestal bone where he's like potential caries versus resorption on tooth 28. I'm like, you know, that's again, super awesome collaborative work with dental Ray of kind of taking these physicians who are specialists in the, the head and neck area, putting us in touch and letting us each learn from each other. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so you're referring your patient to a specialist uh, as an endodontist, but I'm also sending the scan to a specialist because that's what, that's their bread and butter. That's what they do. So kind of having a collaborative team approach to treat some of these cases, 
uh, really comes out with the patient being a, being a big winner. I would totally agree. And I was, I was reading, um, I was looking at some statistics from Dental Ray, and I think Jacob might have gone over this, but what's always fascinating to me is that, you know, 7% of the incidental findings are within um, what we're basically responsible for. 93% of the incidental findings are outside of what we're, we're responsible wow. for. Yeah, exactly. And, and I love that even on your, your small field of view, you're like, I want everything covered. Because, you know, you, you have a, a, a little bit less real estate there, but you still have a, a potential for, uh, for, for some sort of detrimental pathology uh, to be in that field of view. A bone lesion that, that maybe an endodontist is not as well trained to find. Like, I mean, some kind of crazy neoplasm, you know, in, in the bony structures. Uh, And I I think we're all guilty of it that, you know, I I take a CT scan and and Matt made a fun comment to me the other day, Matt Alvin. He's like, when I see a scan from Ryan, there's always pathology. He's like, that's the whole premise of why he's taking it. So (laughs) now he kind of has an alert, but also, you know, we also get tunnel vision and put blinders on, you know, you refer me number eight, periophagalucency. Okay. uh, Am I checking for a fracture? Am I checking for nasopalatine duct cyst? Yeah, but what about the like incidental finding on 13? Or what about the failing root canal on tooth two that just happened to be right on the very edge of the scan? And and I will, I have to be honest that there are things like that that have slipped through the cracks with me where I'm just so tunnel visioned on one thing that I am really glad I have had an overread from Dental Ray because he brought he brought a dental issue back to you know back to the forefront saying, hey Ryan, I think there's something else we need to take a, take a look at and great. Now I can talk to the patient about that or give Chad a call and say, Hey, uh, on Mrs. Jones, do you have any old films on that? I think when she stops to you next, let's take a look at that and see if that's an extraction or whatever the conversation leads to. But, um, you know, the more sets of eyes, the better. Well, you know, you you talk about, I know we're kind of going down a rabbit hole with CBCT and how important it is, but think about this way. You take a CBCT that you're trying to get 14 as your focal point of view, you got the sinus, you got the parotid in there and you've got 14 in there along with 13, 15, and probably 12. We had a local dentist that died of a parotid neoplasm, uh, three, four months ago. Uh, Jacob, the medical radiologist found a grade four, uh, neoplasm on a dental scan. And then I had a patient that I lost a couple of years ago to sinus cancer. I mean, there's, there's, a there's a lot of stuff that we can miss. And so, you know, oh, I, I love that although you're focused on the teeth, you're focused on their overall health as well. And, and you know, um, everything that could be going wrong, which may be the cause of the problem from the tooth when you really look at it sometimes. How cool is it, though, that we are afforded the opportunity? If you think about routine uh preventative CTs in the medical arena don't happen. Nine times out of 10, they are symptom driven or I've showed up with this particular pain or whatever. And that's how you get a CT in the medical arena. We actually have the opportunity because the technology has become so approachable for all doc, for the majority of GPs and specialists that we can catch things actually kind of doing like a screen in essence, like a mammogram would be or a colonoscopy and actually catch things much earlier than symptoms would have driven for diagnostic imaging. So we actually play a really cool part in 
the pre-screen process of maybe saving a few lives along the way in a very optimistic view. So just agreed. Just, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I, I want to tangent back to one thing that, that, that I also thought about with, you know, pitfalls or, or things that we can improve between the endo and the GP or things that I think are somewhat unclear is um, our trauma guidelines. Uh, and I, I, I keep both Saeed, my partner and I uh, keep a sheet right, right in front of our desk for, of trauma guidelines. You know, one side's the fracture, the other side's avulsion. Uh, but I think a lot of times uh, the trauma happens and y- y'all are the first ones they call. They don't, they don't even know me. You know, there's a handful of times where they know an endodontist or it's a family friend, but most of the time you guys are getting the call. And uh, in, in some of these cases, times of the essence, you know, are, you know, if it's a luxated tooth, you know, the faster we can get that tooth repositioned or back into, into the correct socket placement, you know, preventing ortho, preventing resorption, things like that, but also preventing the clot formation that's going to prevent me from re- repositioning that tooth and, and things of that nature. Um, yeah, I would love to see trauma as fresh as it happens. And I think that's one thing that, um, you know, mom and dad come to y'all, you guys do a, a palliative treatment and Hey, follow up the endodontist here in the next week or so. Heck, uh, I would hope that Chad would call me and be like, Hey man, this just happened. Yeah. I either, we either need to, it needs to happen tonight or first thing out of the gate tomorrow morning, I need you to get this patient in and see it. Because then, then we can splint it and manage that, and um, you know, yeah. and, and especially in some kids, like prevent needing root canal treatment. You know, if, if we can do things to uh, uh, reposition that tooth or or splint it back, or especially with open apices, if we can promote vital uh, a vital root structure, maybe even a, just a spec pulpotomy or something like that with a um, with a neo neo putty barrier or something, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. that if it goes beyond a day or two, we we've just been stripped of that ability to keep a pulp vital. So that's one thing I would, I would love for GPs is call me when it happens. Just, just let me know like, Hey, Jimmy's coming over. He just busted up his front tooth or got hit with a baseball. Uh, I'd, I'd love to get those as soon as possible. You know that it's funny that you say that. Cause I think, and there are GPs that will call someone, but I think the first instinct is always the oral surgeon. Mm-hmm. And and nothing against oral no. surgeons because gosh knows if you know if they have an alveolar fracture or whatever, you know, anything major, they absolutely need to be involved in the case. But I think from an endodontic perspective, I think that actually has probably one of the highest priorities yeah i mean one once you get past the the real trauma i think that's one of the highest priorities as far as um preserving pulpal vitality i i would agree with you i, I saw this young gal i saw her uh mid-november or so and i am thankful chad it, it wasn't a patient of yours but uh the gp saw her splinted her got to me the next day so I took a CT, you know, you're sure there was an alveolar fracture because, you know, if the tooth doesn't break, something has to give for that tooth to be di- out, of, out of position. And so small alveolar fracture, but the splint was there. We just kept that intact. And uh, I've been monitoring her teeth. They have, they were responding perfectly normal to cold up until last week. And o- only one tooth, it was number eight uh, uh, on this young gal. She's a, a big athlete and that's, that's 
what caused the injury to begin with, but she was splinted six through 11. We left that on for four weeks, like the guidelines say. And every time I tested her teeth with cold, I told her every time I see, I'm going to test cold on the teeth. And uh, finally on our, let's see, about fifth visit, uh, just over a two and a half month period, it, it, number eight finally kicked the bucket. But all the others were still vital. And, and I'm very, very happy that that's the case and uh, that we didn't rush to do treatment. I think, you know, we'll continue to monitor these teeth and, you know, if they need treatment, great. And if they don't, even better. Uh, but that, that was an awesome case of got to me right away so I could see it. I know what yeah. zero is. I know testing the tooth, it did respond to cold right away. So it's not one where I'm seeing it a month down the road. It's not responding. Well, is that because that was... Did it before or not? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So... I I, um, I think in this case, what you're saying is that you're just going to continue to watch number eight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want I want the lesion to get nice and big for conclusive evidence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Very so, unreliable. Well, <laughs> hey, as always, another spirited conversation and we're a little bit over time. We could talk all night, but we've got to save some for next time. So what I was thinking is that. We had a couple topics that we didn't get to, but Jeff really wanted to talk about uh, some microorganisms, pathogens, bacteria that you found with that microscope from canals. This one, this one. Where's it? Yeah. Right yeah. So could we talk about that next time? You bet. I, I have some histo slides, believe it or not, because I am that guy. I, I think a full hour of just histo, histo slides. Yeah. No, like no pictures, very little talk. Good. Just written commentary about the histo slide. They're H and E stained. We can talk all night about H and E <laughs> and uh, dog apicoectomies with neo MTA. I, I, that sad, might be the show that we do shots. The, the sad yeah, part yeah. is, is that he's serious. <laughs> but I just saw, thought of something really cool. How I cool of <laughs> we, we we have basically two. That have become regulars on Dinks. We got Ryan and we've got Tom Viola. How cool would it be to have a point counterpoint with Ryan and Tom? I know. Tom, Tom's a, a dental pharmacologist. I thought I think it'd be a lot of fun Sweet. because there's there's a lot, you know, a lot antibiotics going on. all up in your world. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And and then H and E stained slides. Yeah. Anyhow, uh folks, I, I think. Uh, that's a wrap for tonight. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, it's funny when we start watching the viewership, the engagement and the people that, you know, might've left to go to the restroom or something, then they come back. We see a lot of people grabbing on. This was a really, really great episode. So many great pearls, but one of the best things that you can take away from this is really just your referrals aren't just it. It, it's a yo-yo effect. You send them out, you send them out to come back, but you also, it's a two-way street. We need to work closely with our referrals, build relationships within our smaller communities. And I think it makes us all better to a certain extent. So thanks Ryan for being on here. And um, thanks for having we me. We will definitely have you back soon. Love you guys. Great. Great to join you again in 2023. Keep Love you, Donk. All right. All right. We'll see you soon, Donk. <laughs> All right. Peace out, everybody. Have a great one. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. And that wraps up another podcast for Dentists in the Know. On behalf of Dr. Jennifer Bell, Dr. Chad Duplantis, and myself, 
remember that we've got a great profession, so let's make it a great day, Dinks.